a little swig of water, and a little bit of chapstick. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Janky Cast, the jankiest, least thought out podcast you ever done seen. I literally had been tossing this idea in my head of. You know, I'm in this podcast, the Tombstone podcast, with my friends, and I've been enjoying it. I've really been enjoying it. There are certain topics, certain ideas that I, I just want to go off on. I just want to monologue and just relentlessly talk on these topics. And this is kind of my opportunity to get those off my chest, things that people might not, well, uh, hopefully people are interested in, but maybe I can just talk about and people can listen. And it'll be enjoyable, ideally. I literally woke up this morning, got hopped up on caffeine, ate some breakfast, worked out, took a shower. And while I was still kind of tweaking out and getting excited, I was like straight up talking to myself in the shower. And I was like, no, 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 no. I got to record this. <laughs> so uh, this is the first episode, just spur of the moment. I'm figuring it out as I go. No idea what I'm doing. But I figured the idea I had in my head was that on kind of the same note as our episode zero on the Tombstone podcast, which, wink, wink, you should totally go check out. In the spirit of that, I also wanted to go over kind of an introductory episode, not so much my history, but more my line of thought, how how I think about games as kind of a baseline for all of my inane ramblings to come. So I guess I, <laughs> to quickly recap my, my state as a human being, I am as a self-described full-blown video game hipster. And I mean this in hopefully the least pretentious way possible because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just don't tend to like most of the things that other people like, you know? And I mean, I don't, I, I try not to sound pretentious when I say that, but the idea is like, there are, there are the mainstay games that I like, like Zelda, for instance. I really like Zelda games. A lot of people like those, but I've never liked your Call of Duties. I've, I barely liked Halo. Um, I I never did I I guess I fit into what I would describe as the secondary mainstream. Again, episode 0 of Tombstone podcast to get more background on that. But I've always been slightly off base and I found that my motivation for why I play something or why I absorb a piece of media is different from most people. A lot of people I know are searching for escapism or some sort of just time-consuming thing that's somewhat satisfying, kind of your, sort of your popcorn media where you can just easily consume a lot of it and there's no real thought that has to go into it. You just feel at least enough engaged. I remember having a discussion with my family and my mom was telling me about how she loves watching movies because she likes escaping to a new world and seeing this new place and it works different and 
all these interesting ideas you can explore in a new world and it's she's totally searching for that escapism and there's nothing wrong with that just being in a new place and i mean there's a part of that that i like but to me it has to be engaging it can't just be a new place i have to have emotions provoked within me thoughts provoked within me i have to be I have to leave a piece of media changed as a human being. I want to leave something with a different outlook on life. You know, I I cite a lot of times Dark Souls as a really good example of something that left a big impression on me. Even better of an example, Shadow of the Colossus. It just reshaped everything I saw about all media, all art. And I kept looking at that, I kept looking at things like that, saying, I played this for 10 hours, and it completely changed my outlook as a human being. But then I could play something like, I don't know, Dead Island, for example, let's just say that. You could play that for like 30, 40 hours and still not be done. And... I I haven't changed as a human being. I haven't grown. I haven't learned anything. And it, a lot of it comes from the fact that more or less the same thing is being made over and over. And that's not just a games issue. That's a everything issue, right? You know, I, I've been into anime for a while and I've been less and less into anime as my life has gone on and I've become an adult. And it's not that I'm growing up and growing out of it. It's more that once you've seen one, you've kind of seen most of them. There's very little innovation in a lot of shows. So, you know, nowadays, I'll hop on a new show, I'll look at it, and I'll think, huh, all right, this is episode one. I've seen this episode one about 30 different times. You know, I've seen this show happen 30 different times. I'm not impressed. I'm not going to leave this as a changed man. I'm not different. I'm not new. I'm not thinking of things in a totally new light. However, occasionally I find something that kind of changes my outlook. Um, I think one for me, it wasn't even recent. It was like several years ago, which goes to show kind of the, the state that I'm in. But the last one that really changed my perception on things was Made in Abyss. And it's just this really good show. I mean, it has flaws, of course, but I feel like it just taught me so much about just, I don't know, like it, it, that one's almost hard to put into words. And sometimes that happens where I'll just absorb something and I'm so enraptured by it that i i can't even really describe what it is but it's this mood and this kind of adventure but it's kind of this moody apathetic sort of adventure where death is not only an accepted part of the journey but an expected part of the journey and i think that that is such an interesting idea right so I'm looking at these things and that just that mood is enough to change me as a human being. I want things that do that. And, you know, kind of going back to my previous point of, yeah, of course I have problems with it, 
I can I have problems with everything. Even my favorite things in the world I have problems with. I'm playing a game right now called Astral Chain. Astral Chain is a wonderful game, but the very first criticism I would levy against the game is that it's I could do without probably about 30% of the game. There's like a good chunk of the game that I feel like the game would be better without. Not that that those parts are bad, it's just that they don't serve the parts that I enjoy. And maybe that's just me being picky. Maybe that's just me being, you know, single-minded and wanting to be super focused on one thing. But that one thing would be the combat. The combat is phenomenal. You control kind of two characters and this kind of idea of controlling two things that not many games have done before, at least not in this way and in this interesting and well thought out of a format. And I found that so engaging that if I'm in the other 30% of the game, I kind of don't care. I, I found myself skipping past text, not really absorbing information. And thinking, whatever, I just want to fight stuff. Which, you should never really have that happen in any media. I remember, it's kind of a, it's not games, but I remember, I remember watching a movie with my mom. And it was this cookie cutter animated movie. I think it was called Ferdinand. I don't remember, but it was like about a bull. And the bull's like a super, really, really big, strong bull, but he's super nice and gentle and everything. So that's kind of the whole idea is that juxtaposition between, you know, he's this big guy and he's got a kind heart and he like, they're trying to teach him to be an angry bull, whatever. The point is, there was this scene where there were these horses and these bulls and the horses were having a dance off with the bulls and it had no point. There's no service to the plot. It didn't progress anything. Didn't teach me anything about the characters. It did nothing except fill time. And I remember my mom just going, you know, I watch these movies and there's these scenes in them that no one cares about. If they just didn't have that, I think the movie would probably be about a half an hour. And I just remember, I remember turning to her and saying, yeah, that kind of goes to show that they really didn't have a lot to work with and they're just trying to fill time. <laughs> I always found that funny. Just how things just try to take up your time. And it just blows my mind that people some people want that. Some people just want something that takes up their time. And again, nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying that sort of entertainment. It's just for my money, I want to be engaged. I want 100% engagement the whole time. And, you know, speaking on being focused, you know, how I said Astral Chain, like 30% of it I don't care about. I like really focused games. And that's kind of a rarity nowadays because people tend to recommend games based on their time you know it, it, that that when people think oh should i buy this game it's how much time am i getting out of this game not how much enjoyment am i getting out of this game 
And to me, that is a massive distinction and why I am far, far different from most people. Because I will spend like full price $60 on a concentrated, concise experience. I will play a game that's maybe at most 10 hours. I'll pay full price for a four hour game. I don't care. As long as I think I'll enjoy it, I'll, I'll spend the money on it. It's For me, it's a matter of how much enjoyment I get out of something, not how much time I get out of something, right? You can have a long game that's engaging, but a lot of times I prefer a more focused one because it's a lot more effort went into that, you know, four hours, you know, per hour that you're doing there was a lot more thought put into it because there's less total hours for a creator to think about. A good example is Fury. Fury is super short. Maybe your first time through it might be a few hours long, but I can play through the game in like 40-something minutes. I think my, my personal best is uh, 48 minutes and 8 seconds. And granted, I've played the game a lot, and I'm pretty experienced with it, and I'm technically a speedrunner of that game but that's a really short runtime and that's not me glitching anything that's me just playing the game quickly but it's totally worth it i don't think i must have spent like 40 dollars on that game not once do i regret spending that money on that game you know i've i've spent <laughs> i spent 60 dollars on civilization 6 I've barely played it. I don't really like it. I'm not playing it anymore. I've spent $40 on Fury, and I've got probably over 60 hours in the game. And given that the game, like I said, is only a few hours long on your first playthrough and maybe an hour long on subsequent ones, I'm just replaying the hell out of it. And I think that that's also another advantage you get of a short game is Oh, I can pick this up and just play through it in an afternoon and feel good. I have this sort of ritual. I used to have this sort of ritual of just every once in a while playing through Super Mario Sunshine. Just play through it. No, not 100%, not anything special, not speedrunning it. I just like to play it. And I'll play it for, you know, start to finish in one afternoon. Last time I did it, it took me about three hours. and. I have gotten my money's worth out of that game because I feel different. And that one, like I said, I kind of dropped off of it because it doesn't engage me in the same way that it used to. I don't think it's as interesting as it could be, though it is very fluid and feels good and it at least kind of works out my brain. And that's another thing I look for is sort of a sort of a mental engagement. You know, I'll do do Zactronics games where it's problem solving. It's Literally programming, which is what I do for a living, but then I decide, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go to work, I'm going to write code, and then I'm going to come home and like sort of write code, but it's a game now. <laughs> so, I like being mentally engaged as well. I like having emotions elicited within me, and I like having thoughts provoked. And when you have the same game over and over and over, it just wears on me so much. 
I the 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 first one I can think of is probably the platformer. That was probably the first thing to really be formalized and kind of figured out as a game genre, especially the 2D platformer, right? As an industry, they sort of came together and said, hey, these things work, these things don't. And we kind of have a, a playbook to go by. And there were just platformers everywhere. Everything was a platformer. And every system needed a flagship platformer. It was just that was the thing. Everything was platformers with very few exceptions. I think the current one is shooters. It was it was strictly first person shooters for a while. When I was a teenager growing up, it was all about first person shooters, Halo, Call of Duty, Battlefield, that sort of thing. Uh now now we've kind of strayed into the space of first and third person shooters as both being pretty mainstream and particularly the main emphasis now and i think it's sort of going to be a like a fling is battle royales obviously and with battle royales the reason they stick with it so much is because it's an inherently profitable model we have a big game that requires a lot of people to be playing at the same time and it's inherently social because you can have teams right so you have people kind of forcing other people (laughs) i say that kind of aggressively but you have people forcing other people to play the game with them hey man like we need a three-man team you know, party up with us. I know you don't own the game, but hey, it's free to play. And that's another part of the idea. Most of these games, most of them are free to play. So it's inherently social. It's easy to get into. And then the monetization starts, right? And that's fine and whatever. If you can do that and make an engaging game, fine. All power to you. I have no problem with people making profits on what they've created. But what winds up happening is people, or more specifically, game developers and publishers, make more or less the same game a hundred times over. I think this is the most evident in the MMO genre, where almost everything is trying to be World of Warcraft. But the problem with that idea is that we we've already got World of Warcraft, right? So why would anyone quit World of Warcraft, which they have a ton of hours in, a ton of investment in, they have friends on it probably. Why would they leave that game for your game if your game is the same thing but again? Why on earth would anyone do that? And that blows my mind that people do that, but it's almost like the pattern of, hey, we came up with an interesting idea and it sold gangbusters. And we're, we're doing really well because we came up with this really neat idea. And then everybody looks at that and says, okay, well, I am incapable of coming up with a neat idea. So I'm going to take your neat idea and hopefully do it better. Hopefully strike it rich or strike oil 
whatever. And we're in this situation where we're not. People are basically just instead of gambling on a new idea, they're gambling that their same idea will be somehow perceived as better and more people will go to it, or at least enough people will go to it. And it just generally it doesn't work. Uh, I find it strange that that's the strategy that people go with. But then again, it's either that or come up with an idea. And a lot of people are not very capable of coming up with these new ideas. Very, very few developers, in my opinion, are trying to do something new. And that's kind of the whole thing for me is I want to see something new. If I've seen your game a hundred times over with a new coat of paint, I don't care. I really don't care. Furthermore, if your game is better suited as another medium, this is a problem I've seen quite often with a story-driven game. A lot of times the story is so good, but the gameplay is lacking. So I'll find myself in a situation where I just want to watch the cutscenes and I don't want to play the game. This shouldn't have been a game. This should have been a movie or a TV show or whatever. I, I think that games are a beautifully unique medium in that we can do something in them it's the uniquely interactive medium a lot of people will pretentiously call it interactive experiences instead of games i i, th I think that that's unnecessary I think the word game does give it a bad rap because it's like, oh, you're just playing games. You're wasting time. But I think that interactive experiences is perhaps a bit pretentious. It's going too far in the other direction. But it is the uniquely interactive medium. And that's why I like it above all other media. I'm doing something. I have to be 100% engaged almost 100% of the time. It's quite possibly a problem I should have looked at. But I regularly find myself at work fidgeting. I'm like, knees are jumping because I don't have enough to do. And I'll come home and it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go to the gym because I gotta do something. I gotta cook because I gotta do something. I gotta play a game because I gotta do something. I can't sit down and just watch something most of the time. Because when you're watching something, you're not really being asked to do anything. You have to sit there and observe. And sometimes I'm in the mood for that. Usually I'm not. And games, at least ideally, require mental engagement in order to do anything in the game, right? You see, I find that if I play a game like, I don't know, Fable, for example, Fable doesn't really do much. It doesn't engage me. It doesn't make me really have to think or perform. So it's just mindlessly ticking the boxes. I feel like I would argue, I'm trying not to step on any toes here, but I would argue that most MMOs, the go-to example for me is World of Warcraft, of course. They just have you doing 
something simple, checking a checkbox. It's like, okay, I got to go grind out this. I got to go grind out that. I have a Discord server with my friends and they're constantly on the voice chat talking about, oh, hey, I got to grind out this. You want to grind this out with me? No, because it's boring, right? So to me, why would I ever do something that I would consider as grinding in my spare time? I can be doing whatever I want right now. I'm an adult. I have money. I can be doing whatever I want. Why on earth would I spend my time doing something I would describe as grinding? It, it just drives me nuts. Whereas if I play a game like Fury or Shadow of the Colossus or recently Astral Chain, I'm engaged mentally. And it doesn't have to be fast-paced. I mean, Shadow of the Colossus is hardly fast-paced, but the other two certainly are. It doesn't have to be action. There's a game I want to play called Wargroove. It's a turn-based strategy, and it engages my brain, not necessarily quickly, but I have to make decisions and choices. And I feel like that is the crux of what I'm getting at here, is what choices am I making? What decisions are being made? Are they meaningful? Do they affect anything? And I feel like the mechanics of a game are the point at which these things can have direct repercussions for you as a player. Because there's no more direct way to affect somebody than to change their capabilities let's say you have there's an example that I, it's my usual go-to example is the game series the indie game series lisa i haven't played it myself but i do know a few things that it does that i very much like one of those things is my go-to example the story is trying to be impactful so that you feel any loss. You can, you know, certain characters can die, certain characters can be hindered or injured or whatever, you know, permanently affected. And I think that it's interesting the way it goes about it. What it does is it has that character die, but there's a mechanical component to the game that is already difficult, right? Made more difficult by the decisions you've made. Whether or not the story is literally different, you know, because a lot of times it'll be kind of a kind of a coat of paint is sort of my go-to analogy. It's, you know, you can save one character or save the other character. No matter which character you save, you still wind up in the same situation. It's either the one you saved or the other one you saved, and it's really no different effectively. That can work if there's a mechanical repercussion to your decision. So in the example of Lisa, it's, you know, you can choose between losing one of your people or, I guess, spoiler warning for Lisa, losing your arm or i think it's just your arms yeah 
you can lose one arm, and there's another point in the game where you can lose another one. And if, if that permanently affects you, your character who will always be in the party, or it can affect a character that is useful to you, but could be switched out, right? But you will not have that utility ever again. And even if it's, oh, it's a new coat of paint, it's you're doing the same thing but with different people, yes, but the having different people means something. And that's why I feel like the mechanical interactive parts are the parts that really mean something. And it's strange to me that to seemingly most people, that's the afterthought. It's how does the game look? How long is the game? For some people, maybe how popular is the game? You know, if you're doing like a big multiplayer game, you want a lot of people, a lot of engagement. You want that sense of community, whatever. And that's fine. All of those are fine. It's just that's not how I think of it. And I think it's totally about mechanics. I just, I love things that are interesting. And even if it's not wildly innovative, but well executed, as long as I'm engaged, that's what it's all about. That's, that's my life. That does lead me to kind of wondering why I am this way, why I do think of things so critically, why I do that in particular. I, I do take inspiration from various sources. I believe the first critical inspiration of mine was actually Sequelitis made by Egoraptor. It just kind of opened up my eyes to, oh, there's like a science behind this, right? And this was slightly before me playing Shadow of the Colossus, where this kind of pulled back the curtain to show me that we had this like sort of playbook of this is what engages a player, this is how you teach a player, and just kind of, oh, this is how games are made. This is how this is the mindset behind making a game. So that kind of primed my brain to be thinking about that. And then not too long later, I played Shadow of the Colossus, which I thought was just an art piece, a magical, wonderful work of art that is still my favorite game to this day. And I started looking at them like that, how they work and how they tick and all of that stuff. And I got to this point where I would just look at things and I'd think, oh, I see why they did that. They did that because it was the easy thing to do. That wasn't very interesting. I've seen it done a hundred times. I started to become bitter. I, I think it was something that I was always destined to be. But that's how I got there is I figured out how they tick, the mindset behind making a game. And I realized how repetitive it is, how much they make the same game over and over. And a lot of times I feel like it's, it's publishers. It's just people with big wallets saying, I want the new Fortnite. You know, I want that money. If I give you this money, you give me Fortnite money. And of course, it's never going to happen because Fortnite already exists. Same thing that I mentioned with World of Warcraft. It's like, why would I play your thing if this is the same thing, but more people are playing it? it 
<laughs> it, it, it just doesn't work. And then you see things like Undertale will come out. It's a huge hit. That man probably made so much money from that game. Unexpectedly, too. And I don't think he could have foresaw that. But there it is, you know. It's unique ideas that sell. And those are the ones that I attach to. And I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a full, <laughs> I mean, I know I did previously say I'm a full-blown video game hipster, but I'd say I'm a little reined back, at least a little bit, because I do like kind of the best of the best indie games. I've been particularly interested in Celeste. It's got a huge following. Um, you know, I want to play Wargroove. That's got a pretty sizable following. There's a lot of indie games that, you know, the ones that I like you know, generally are fairly popular. I don't think there's any game that I play that literally no one knows about that I enjoy. I suppose the most out there and weird indie games that I play, uh, two good examples are probably Mushroom 11 and Fly Ranch. Both of those are very strange. They're sort of platformers, but they have really, really unique methods of movement. And they're just these crazy, innovative games that are so interesting. Because, again, it, you, it's like learning to walk again, right? You have to figure out how to move through this world when... You know, you don't have your traditional running on two legs, jumping mechanics. It's not something you know. It's completely new. In Mushroom 11, you move by deleting parts of your character, and then it just dynamically grows more. So you delete stuff on the right side and it'll grow stuff on the left side. And that's how you move through the environment. And it's just really crazy. And like, it only makes sense if you see it. So look it up if you've got the means, but <laughs> it, uh, it, it just, it, it blows my mind how people can come up with that. And, and it's just so unique and interesting and, those are the ideas I attach on to. Those are the things. It just, I've never seen this before. I'm blown away. That's so cool. I also find interesting when there's really well done story that implements the mechanics. This is kind of going back to my point about Lisa, where, where it'll make you sort of make this decision and it affects you mechanically throughout the rest of the game. There's other means of doing that, right? There's Majora's Mask, which I think has a fantastic narrative, just because of the way it unfolds over the course of the game. And it's such a tone shift from Ocarina of Time, the previous game. And there's a whole thing I can do about that. And in fact, I think that'll be another whole episode I do, is just talking about the narrative in Majora's Mask. But it's it switches the idea of a hero centric narrative where we're focusing on link as the chosen hero to 
a world-centric narrative where no one, no one even recognizes Link. No one knows who he is. No one cares. And I think that a lot of it is, a lot of it's more powerful by the way that you experience it because it's happening to you, the player, mechanically. I think that's the most direct line to a player. So why is it that I'm a bitter old man of 25? Well, it's, it's because nothing's striving for innovation. Not even really innovation, just quality. Things are just trying to be the same thing, the status quo. Just give me your money. And I'll give you my money the instant you make a product or a piece of art that moves me as a human being. I know very few people think of it like that, but I'm a very passionate guy and I, I like to be engaged all the time. And anything that's wasting my time is just, <laughs> that, it's just that, it's wasting my time. I've only got so much time on this world and I'm going to spend it doing something I love, like playing wonderful video games, experiencing wonderful works of art, spending time with friends and family, and I'm only going to do things that mean the world to me. And I guess that kind of wraps up my thought. So, goodbye everybody. And remember to remember to hug someone you love and enjoy life.